Revelation, the last book in your Bible, except for the book of concordance. Revelation chapter number 20 tonight, and thank you for coming. My, I'm so thrilled to see visitors tonight. That always excites me. Uh, I won't go into it in detail, but the visitors are good looking. I can't say that for the members. So visitors, thank you for coming, and I hope you come back again. Let me encourage you, do what you can to bring someone this week. Ask God to give you wisdom, how to bring people, then follow through on that. Let's make this a week of impact, not just in the church. Bring your unsaved friends and classmates and numbers, and I trust this week we'll see God break through in a wonderful and a powerful, powerful way. Look in your Bible, Revelation chapter number 20. I'll begin reading with verse number one. John said, I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit, and a great chain was in his hand. He laid hold on the dragon, the old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him. He should deceive the nations no more, till a thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed for a season. I don't want to preach on this subject, the awesome. That is a teenage word, awesome. You're a teenager, everything is awesome. That girl is awesome. That car is awesome. That hamburger is awesome. Hear me, friend. Nothing compares to the awesome end of history. The Bible teaches history will end. The Bible teaches the world will end. I don't want to talk to you about that tremendous subject, the awesome end of history. What's going to happen then? Number one, first of all, the reality of Satan. The Bible's emphatic and dogmatic. The devil's not a myth, not a fairy tale. Uh, some guy running around with a pitchfork in red underwear. Your Bible says the devil is a person as real as you are, as real as I am. Look in your Bible, please. Verse number two. He laid hold on the dragon, the old serpent, which is the devil and Satan. In verse two, God gives four names. Number three, God uses five personal pronouns to speak of the devil. Why? God is emphasizing the fact the devil is a person as real as you are and as real as I am. You say, okay, but the devil's a person? Oh, hum, so what? Number two, the program of the devil. What is the devil trying to do in your life and mind? Look in your Bible at verse number three. It says he should go out to deceive the nations. Look at verse number eight. The devil that deceived them. Look at verse number 10. Again, uh, uh, he's about to deceive the nations. Verse number 10, the devil that deceived them. Now, three times, your Bible says this. The devil's main mode of operation, he is called in the Bible, the great. What would Satan want to see me about? Your Bible tells you. The God of this age, that is Satan, has blinded the minds of them that believe not. Please hear it. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine unto them. What's that verse say? Satan doesn't care if you're a good moral person. He doesn't care if you joined a church. He doesn't care if you've been baptized. He does not care if you're as long he can blind you to the gospel. Now, what is the gospel? I'm glad tonight, my friend, in this book, we got the divine definition of the gospel. Here it is. Paul said, I've never done to you, first of all, the gospel. Why first? The most important thing in your life is the gospel. I never done to you, first of all, the gospel. Number one, how that Christ died for our sin according to the scripture. He was buried. He rose again the third day according to the scripture. Don't miss this, please. The divine definition of the gospel, it starts with Christ, has Christ in the middle, has Christ in the end. Your Bible says this, he that hath the Son hath life. Question, 
You point to a time in your life, you realized you were a sinner, marching straight toward the gates of hell. By an act of faith, you invited Christ into your heart to be your Savior. That is Bible salvation. That's the only salvation. There is no other salvation. The Bible says, he that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides upon him. No church gives salvation. No baptistry gives salvation. Salvation when you accept Christ as your own personal Savior. Number one, by salvation, the person of salvation. Now, number two, the program of the devil. What are you trying to do? Trying to deceive people. The great deceiver. As I mentioned, trying to deceive people about what? About the gospel. I was preaching in a great church in Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, and uh, a young man come in. He was attending seminary. He didn't go to that church. He was visiting. And a fellow seminarian asked him to come. And uh, he came in late and uh, went down and sat with a fellow seminarian. The young man he went and sat down by belonged to the church I was preaching in. And he invited an unsaved friend. But the unsaved friend was not there. I preached that night. Had them bow their head. But wait, I preached 10 minutes. The back door opened. In come the unsaved friend. This side is full. He said, on this side, halfway back. I preached that and I finished preaching. I said, okay, if you're not sure you're saved, I want to pray for you. Raise your hand. Seven people raised their hand. First hand I saw was that young man the seminarian had invited. I said, okay, we're going to sing a song tonight. You want to receive Christ? Come and tell the preacher. We started singing. Folks come to get saved. On about the second stanza, young man I mentioned on this side, come forward to get saved. The guy over here invited him, turned the guy beside him and said, let me out. I want to go tell my friend how to get saved. He said, no. You don't understand. I invited my guy. He's my friend. Coming to get saved. I want to show him. He said, no. What do you mean no? He said, I want you to go in there and talk to me. Okay, they went in the room and closed the door. He said, how can I help you? He said, I graduated from Maranatha Baptist College. I spent two years in seminary. I read the Bible cover to cover three times on my fourth time. As that man preached tonight, something hit me. He said, sir, I realize I've joined the church. I've been baptized. I'm morally pure. But as that man preached tonight, I realized I had never personally invited Christ into my life to be my Savior. I realized tonight I'm on the way to hell. He said, I want to get saved tonight. You said, I bet you were shocked. No, I'll tell you why. The devil. Jesus said, many, not a handful, many will say to me in that day, they walk up to Christ, they talk to him. Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name, we've cast out devils. In thy name, we've done many wonderful works. And then they get the greatest shock anybody ever gets. Right to their face, Jesus Christ says, depart from me. I never knew you. Now wait, what were their activities? Number one, they believed the Bible. They even believed Jesus Christ was Lord. They called him Lord. My friend, believing Christ as Lord does not save. You must personally accept him into your life. Bible, as many as received him, that's salvation when Christ comes in your life. Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied? That word prophesied could read witnessing. Folks went on soul winning. They knocked on doors. They told others how to get saved. The devil is such a great deceiver. They're out there telling everybody else how to get saved. And they themselves are hell bound. 
Lord, Lord, we now prophesied in thy name. In thy name cast out devils. Uh-oh. Some Sunday morning you say, I'm going to church by television, which you cannot do. No. Here's some guy in a white suit casting out demons. You say, boy, that guy must be a great man. Go, look, look at the demons. No. These people cast out demons, and they weren't even saved. Number four, don't miss it, please. More people tonight in America going to hell for this reason than any other. And in your name, Lord, we have done many wonderful works. Break it down. They're honest, they're sincere. Looking Christ right in the eye. Lord Jesus, we have done many works. That's the quantity. Many wonderful works. That is the quality. And Christ says, depart from me. I never knew you. Now wait. Most people I talk to have the idea they can work your way to heaven. It cannot be done. Your Bible says, not by works of righteousness we have done according to his mercy as he saved us. Your Bible says, but the deeds of the law. What's that? Keeping the Ten Commandments. Shall no flesh be justified in his sight. Bible salvation is not by works. It's by faith in Christ. And apart from that, my friend, you'll never see the inside of a place that God calls heaven the program of the devil. Now let me ask you, you, can you point to a time in your life? Bible salvation is time and place. You don't grow into it. You don't learn about it. It's a decision you make. Bible, behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. What is that? A time and a place salvation. Now, can you remember a time when you made that decision? My friend, if there's no time like that, I'm sorry to tell you, but i got to be honest, you're one heartbeat from going in the flames of hell. Bible salvation occurs when you invite Christ into your heart to be your Savior. Number one, the program of the devil. Number two, <clears throat> I like this. The resistance of the saints. Look in your Bible. Verse number four. <clears throat> Verse four. I saw thrones. They set upon them. Judgment was given unto them. I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their forehead or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Some, some Christians said, boy, Brother Mark, I want to tell you, it's tough out there. The devil's on the loose. All hell is raging. Preacher, I want to tell you, it's a tough day and age to stand up and live for God. That is a lie. Think it through. In Bible times, Peter's crucified upside down. Tell me how tough you got it. Huh? In Bible times, James was hurled off a balcony. Come on, tell me how rough you got it. Peter, crucified upside down. Those were called martyrs. Imagine the day you made up your mind, I'm going to speak up for Christ and stand up for Christ. I'm not going to be a sissy Christian or a coward. I want my testimony to... What would be the worst thing to happen to you? The extreme. Yeah, somebody might laugh at you. Somebody might make fun of you. Somebody might call you a religious fanatic. The early church shed blood for the cause of Christ. And we're so ashamed that somebody might laugh at us because we're Christians. But I'd be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sailed through bloody seas, friend, in the, in the Reformation. 
The Catholic Church would burn Christians at the stake. Come on, tell me how rough you got it. Tell me. What a group of sissies we have today about living for God and talking for God and speaking up for the Lord Jesus Christ. May God give us some backbone, not just this week, in days to come. Oh my, what a sad state Christianity is. I was preaching, I mentioned the church this morning, the Missionary Baptist Temple in Franklin, Ohio. The song leader, his name was Brother Gentry. Tall, handsome, good looking, muscular, athletic. I'll just say this. The exact opposite of our song leader tonight. Somebody say amen. Yeah, amen. That's, that's good preaching, Brother Mark. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Boy, Brother Gentry did a great job. And uh, he, 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 he just, it was a real blessing, okay? And it was last night of revival. A church running 400, the last day of revival. Sunday morning we had 800. Brother Gentry come to the platform to lead the singing. He started singing. People come down the aisle to get saved. All of a sudden, I saw a strange thing happen. In the morning worship service, <laughs> the Baptist church, we actually saw the song leader out loud. He said, glory to God. That scared me because Baptists don't talk that way. That scared me, brother. Then it got worse. He said, hallelujah. Now, be a good Baptist, I moved to the far side of the platform where I wouldn't catch that stuff, okay? This guy's out of control. He's clapping his hands. He's praising God. Service ended before I know what happened. He come up to me, got his arms around me, and he's hugging me. Now, friend, he wasn't my type at all. He just wasn't, okay? But there he is. He's hugging me. He's slobbering on me. He's crying. Pretty soon he stepped back. He said, Preacher, the first guy I got saved tonight was my brother. I've been playing, praying 23 years. He'd get saved. And tonight, he got saved. Every time somebody comes down to an aisle, he's somebody's friend, somebody's co-worker, somebody's relative, your Bible says, rejoice with them that rejoice. Man, I've been in churches that God falls on that place. People are getting saved. What do I see? Let's get out of here. We'll be in last in line at McDonald's. God, thank God, I hope you are in the food they serve. No, I'm not, what are you saying, preacher? I'm just saying this. The most important thing that happens on this earth is Bible salvation. Somebody say amen. amen. That's right. It's the most lasting thing that happens on this earth. Yeah. Salvation. And my friend, we ought to rejoice when somebody gets saved. We ought to get happy when somebody gets saved. You say, I don't want to be a fanatic. I want you to be, I want you just to be real and rejoice when somebody comes out of hell and says, I'm going to heaven. That is Bible preaching. Bible says when somebody gets saved, all heaven rejoices. The angels sing. It says, Jesus Sees the travail of his soul and is satisfied. What's that verse say? Somebody gets saved. Christ says, wow, that was worth dying for. Amen. Huh? The Bible says when that happens, God Almighty sings. Somebody gets saved, all heaven gets happy. And down here, we're afraid we're going to our stomach growl and we want to get out of here. God give us a burden this week, a burden that will drive us out to invite people. Pray during the preaching. Pray at the invitation. And rejoice with all heaven when someone comes to get saved. In closing, my friend, we find one more thought. <coughs> In closing, we find the realization of society. Now, society will end. The world will not endure forever. The Bible says a day is coming when heaven and earth will pass away. It's going to end. Now, when that happens... 
Two things I want you to see. Number one, first of all, it ends in judgment. Every unsaved person ever lived will come, stand alone before Christ, open his mouth, they'll be condemned and cast into hell. Every unsaved person alone is on their knees before Christ, condemned, and then my friend, damned. Now, when that happens, two thoughts. Number one, when that happens, you and I as Christians will be right there. What's your Bible say? The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, voice of the archangel and the trump of God. That's called the rapture of the church. Dead in Christ shall rise first. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up in the clouds together to meet the Lord in the air. Hear it? Then it says, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's the rapture. It's a thousand and seven years before the white throne judgment, when society ends. Now, when the white throne judgment occurs, you and I will be right there. Not to be judged, no, as spectators at the judgment. I have a question. Fellow believer, who you are, you're sitting there. Wow. Oh, my. Boy, I'm glad I got saved. Ah. Oh. Hear the screams and cries as the angel carries people to the pit of fire and drops them in. Boy, I'm glad I got saved. And all of a sudden, walking up to stand before God and be damned, is a man you worked beside 25 years and never told him how to get saved. That student you went to school with, called him friend, buddy, never told him how to get saved. That family member that loved you and cared for you. But no, your mouth was shut. You never shared the gospel. What are you going to feel like sitting back there all safe and secure in Christ? And realizing you, nothing you can do. It, you can't change it. The time to change it is now, today, tonight. Go and tell your friends how to find Christ. My grandfather lived right next door to us. Didn't have a car. And one morning about noon, I didn't have a phone or a car. A car pulled up in front of his house next door. Mother went to our house, looked out the screen. The car door opened. Grandpa got out, shut the car door, walked around in back of the car. For some reason, he failed to look, stepped out directly in the path of an oncoming car. The car struck him. He went up in the air, turned halfway around, came down and lit on his head and shoulders. Mother screamed, ran out the door, got him in the ankles, drug him off the street, went inside and called an ambulance. I got home from school that night. She met me at the back door and said, son, your grandpa had a horrible accident. The doctor says maybe, maybe. He has a 50-50 chance to live. After supper, she said, well, go to the hospital and see him. We sat down to eat. The atmosphere was heavy, solemn, silent. Nobody said a word. We got halfway through the meal. All of a sudden, my mother gave a shriek. After the shriek came a sob, and she cried out and said, Why didn't I warn him? Why didn't I holler at him? Hear me. That's what the white throne judgments lack. You watch him damned and realize you never gave him the opportunity somebody gave you. It's not going to be, Oh, hum, we heard it before. It's going to be, Why in the name of God didn't I warn him? Why? We're not talking fairy tales. We're talking Bible fact. And you'll be right there watching as people you claim to know and claim to love are cast into hell and never had a chance 
to accept Jesus Christ. Number two and on two, the white throne judgment. Unsaved people realize how awful it is to be lost in your Bible. Revelation chapter 20. Look down on verse number 11. I saw a great white throne. Him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. That's the unsaved dead. Stand before God. And the books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. The dead were judged of those things in the books according to their works. Now, everybody in that day that stands before Christ is condemned. What are the books about? The Bible talks about degrees of punishment in hell. Hear this. No hell is good hell. No hell is good hell. The man that sits in a fundamental church, hears the gospel week after week, dies without Christ and drops into hell, his hell will be much worse than some native that never heard the gospel. But again, every unsaved person goes to hell. Christ said some people receive a greater damnation. The worst thing to do is to hear the gospel week after week, reject Christ, die in your sin. You'll go to the leapest, lowest, hottest hell that ever existed. Now, read on there if you would please. Let's go to verse 12. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. The books were open. Another book was open, which is the, uh, uh, the dead, dead written in the books according to their works. Seeking up the dead which were in them. Death and hell lived up the dead which were in them. They were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. I thought about that a thousand times. You die unsaved. What are you going to feel like? You're in that line. You know, sooner or later, you're going to come and stand alone before Christ. The Christ you rejected. The Christ you spit on. The Christ you ignored. And you know when you stand there, you're going to be cast into hell. Oh, my, my. Words can't put in the feeling and the emotion that will follow you then. But thank God tonight, you can make sure you're going to heaven. Not by baptism or joining a Baptist church, by accepting Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. The greatest preacher I ever heard in my life, Dr. Hyman Appleman, heard him years ago tell a strange, a true, a documented story. The year is 1903. The place is Dover, England. A man's on vacation. He wakes up one morning. Boy, what a beautiful day. The sun is shining, it's reflecting off the bluish green water. He says, I think I'll go for a walk down the seashore. So the man walks down the shore, watching the beauty and the birds. All of a sudden, he trips and falls. The man stands up and subconsciously brushes some sand off, starts to walk on down the beach. And he looks down. He realizes on the soft sand, his foot <coughs> has slipped through a huge link in a giant rusty chain the years before had been used to anchor ships. The man tries to pull his foot out, it won't come. He bends over and grabs his ankle, his, his leg, and strains, but the foot remains firmly fast just then. He sees the, side, the tide coming in and going back out. 
The man thought if I stand here, that cold water will go up above the ankle. When it does, the swelling will go down. I'll slip my foot out and I'll be free with no concern the man stands there, just ignoring nature. Pretty soon that cold water is up to his knee. He bends over, grabs his leg. He pulls and strains, but the foot remains firmly fast. He looks out. He sees two men fishing. Frantically, he hollers and yells and waves his hands. They see him. They row to shore. He explains what happens. Two big fishermen come up. By now the water is up to his knee. They grab the leg and pull and strain. Well, Master, wait a minute. A mile down this beach is a blacksmith. I'll get the blacksmith, he'll come back, cut the chain, you'll be free. The man takes off running down the beach, battling time, battling the rising tide. Pretty soon he returns, but now the water is almost up to the man's belt. The big blacksmith wades out, starts sawing frantically on that chain. As he saws, the perspiration drips in the ocean. He labors and labors and labors, and pretty soon the massive form the blacksmith starts to move. The big man stands up, raises his hand out of the water, and they realize the blade has snapped. He said, friend, there's no way I can cut that chain. That chain was made to hold huge ships weighing hundreds of tons. He said, sir, I've done the best I could. I've not even been able to make a nick in that chain. He said, sir, there is no way in the world I can cut that I can't. And the man said, what are you going to do? Stay here and watch me drop. The fisherman said, sir, we have one option. I'll race back to the village. I'll get a doctor, bring him back. Only way we can save your life is to amputate your leg. The man heads back toward the village all the time. Slowly, the tide creeps higher and higher. Pretty soon, he returns with a medical doctor. In the doctor's hands, the saw. Now the water is high on the man's chest. The doctor wades out, plunges his entire body beneath the waves, and starts sawing furiously upon that man's ankle. Time after time, the doctor breaks the water, gasps for air, and goes back down. He works fervently. He works feverishly. He works on and on. Before long, the water around that man's leg becomes red with human blood. As the doctor labors, pretty soon he stands up and gasps for breath. As the breath starts to come, he faces a man and said, Sir, I'm sorry. I can't help you. The tremendous force of the current and the tide. Plus, he said, the location, that ankle in the chain. He said, I've cut through the skin, cut through the nerves, the ligaments. He said, sir, there is no way I can saw through the bone. I cannot help you. The doctor, the two fishermen walk back on shore and stand there helpless. Slowly the tide rises higher and higher. Pretty soon, in desperation, the man tips his head back, keeps his nose out of the water. A few seconds later, they hear a loud gurgling noise and stand there and watch as that man <laughs> drowns. That's exactly what Judgment Day is like. I can't help you. A godly pastor can't help you. Christian friend can't help you. Hear it? Jesus Christ himself can't help you. 
That's why it's so urgent tonight. Before you walk out that door, you invited Jesus Christ into your heart to be your Savior. Bow your head for prayer. Two questions. Number one, I ask it every time I preach.